Good morning, everybody. So great to see you all here, seeing some new faces, some familiar faces, but are new here. So welcome. We're so glad that you're with us. Um, over the summer, uh, not only did we memorize Psalm 34, but we started a series on the fruit of the Spirit. And so over the summer months, we went through week by week of looking at Galatians 5.22. And, and the verse is up on the screen. I'm going to read it to you. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So we spent, over the summer, we went and looked at these nine fruits. We spent time talking about each one of them. And so I wanted to kind of recap that and say how is your fruit. We spend all this time looking at what does it mean to be a loving person? What does it mean to let the Holy Spirit produce joy in you, produce peace in you? We talked about patience, about lengthening our fuses and not getting so, be so quick to, to anger, but slow to speak, slow to listen. We talked about all these different fruits. And so I always like, after I've kind of spent some time studying a topic, to kind of look at my life and go, what kind of difference did that make? Did it, did it change anything in me? Did I, did I spend time letting that take root? And am I finding myself more full of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit than I was when we started? So it's good to kind of look back. Um, it reminds me of this verse in James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. It says this, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey... It's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So just wanted to take a moment and just encourage you, don't let it just be something you heard. Let it get in you. Let it start to change you. Spend time looking back and saying, okay, Lord, what were some of those things that I learned? This is why I like to take notes in church, because I like to go back and be able to look and say, okay, what was the thing that I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me about joy? In those moments where I'm feeling less than joyful, I can go back and say, okay, is that fruit showing itself in my life? And so I am praying that as we wrap up this series, that you will let those, those roots grow down deep and that you will start to see this fruit in your life. And remember, when we first started talking about this series, we talked about the fact that that verse says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in us. This isn't a matter of just trying harder, of just digging deep. It is, it is something that when we lay our lives down before Christ, when we say, God, I want more of you in my life, when the Holy Spirit has full reign of our hearts and minds, he begins to grow that kind of fruit in us. This isn't just us trying harder, but he begins to produce that in us. So it's a good spiritual barometer when we look at how loving we are. It's a good spiritual barometer to look at how peaceful we are, to know how is my spiritual life doing? God, am I spending time with you? If, if not, then that fruit is lacking because the Holy Spirit isn't. I'm not allowing him to produce that in my life. And so we need more of Jesus. This isn't more of just trying harder. This is creating an environment where good fruit can grow. Um, I love to garden. This is my favorite time of year because my garden is starting to produce a wealth of all kinds of goodness. But I can't make a tomato grow. Like, can't make it. I can plant it in the ground. I can weed it. I may have done that once or twice this summer. Not a whole lot, but occasionally enough to, let, to not let the weeds overtake it. I can water it. I can make sure it's getting sun. But I can't make 
that fruit grow on the vine. And it's the same way in our lives. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is what the Holy Spirit produces when he is has full reign over our lives. And so make sure your soil is good. Make sure that you are spending time in the word and the Holy Spirit will produce that kind of fruit in us. And in my opinion, nowhere is this more important than in the last fruit that we're going to talk about today. I think some of you thought that we forgot about it because we haven't done this series in a few weeks. But the last fruit that we are going to talk about today is the fruit of self-control. And Wow, it's a doozy, isn't it, right? When you look at the other fruits of the Spirit, they can all seem kind of like lovey-dovey, touchy-feely. Oh, yes, I'm all about gentleness. And then all of a sudden, Paul throws in, if you are a follower of Christ, if the Holy Spirit is evident in your life, guess what? You're going to be able to control yourself. And I think, well, Paul, you just opened a whole other can of worms right there. Because there are so many areas in our lives where we need to exercise self-control. It isn't just in an attitude. It is everything. When I look at my life and all of the different areas where I think I need to practice more self-control. And we're doing this study in mom's group. um, And actually, we're going to be doing the same study with our kids on Thursday nights. And it's a study that I spent about a year uh, on this topic because the Lord kind of slapped me upside the head probably three or four years ago about the level of undiscipline in my life. And it was any number of areas that I was seeing this lack of good fruit. It would be I was in Target, and I had this much budget, and I came out with this many bags. <laughs> and I would get in the car, and I'd go, how did that happen? It wasn't like I went in there thinking, oh, I'm just going to spend more money than I should. It was just like, it just kind of seemed to be happening. Or I would be on the phone talking to a friend, and I'd have that little, little check in the Holy Spirit when I would get ready to tell something that I had learned about another person. And I'd think, oh, maybe I shouldn't share that information. And yet I would just go, ah, it's no big deal, and I'd just say it anyway. Or I would catch myself at the end of the day just tense, like my jaw tight, and just, oh, this tense feeling. And I'd think, what in the world? And all of a sudden I would realize that I had spent the entire day thinking about the most negative things I could possibly think of all day long. I did not restrain one thought. Whatever thought popped in my head, I just let run rampant. And the Holy Spirit just began to convict me of a lack of self-control. And I think for a lot of us, we don't jump into sin thinking, oh, I'm going to just we make a conscious decision. I think I'm going to think bad thoughts all day. I think I'm going to worry and be anxious all day. It's not that we're make, that's not where we get tripped up for a lot of us. We get tripped up in the impulse. We get tripped up in the things that we just let go. And that is why the Bible tells us over and over and over again to practice the fruit of self-control. Don't just let your tongue say whatever it wants to say. There are so many verses in the Bible about that. There are so many verses about don't just spend money. Be wise and thoughtful and discerning in how you spend your finances. Be careful in the way that you act. Control yourself. Be wise in what you look at. Don't just go with whatever you feel but be wise and practiced self-control. When I think of all the places where I fail to have discipline, the list is very, very, very long, actually. It can be anything from the food that I eat, and I find myself in a lack of self-control. It can be exercise. It can be my temper. Uh, Just yesterday, oh my goodness, my husband made me angry about something, and I was walking in the room, and I was just going to tell him something, and I had that little moment where I thought, I should just let it go. And then I thought, Nah, I'm going to tell you what I think. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh shoot, i got to preach on this tomorrow. Man, I blew it. But we all have those moments where self-control. 
we just need this fruit more and more in our lives. And for me, this is an ongoing, never-ending battle. And I'm guessing for you, it's an ongoing, never-ending battle. And I think sometimes I gain a measure of self-control in one area, and then I realize, oh man, I need to grow in it in this area. So I want to ask you, how are you doing in the area of self-control? And I want to show you a little bit of a clip this morning. Now, my daughter, Betty, no, Dottie, sorry, they all look alike. Um, Dottie... There's so many of them, um, is obsessed with this show on National Geographic called Brain Games. And she is, has anybody seen Brain Games? Yes, a few of you. I think it's on Netflix, so you could go binge watch it the rest of the afternoon. It's so interesting. It is all these things about the science of brain, our brains and how they work. And so this was an episode on addictions. And they did a little experiment in this episode. So they brought a group of adults into a room under the premise that they were going to give their opinions about a new product. Now, they told them that because of the nature, the confidential nature of this product, that they were not allowed to use their cell phones during the time that they were in there. So they had their cell phones put on the other side of the room and told them that they were going to try this product. Well, then they, they pretended that they had technical difficulties and left the room. And these people were sitting in their room with their cell phones on the other side of the room. So why don't you watch and see what happens? These volunteers think they're going to get paid for their opinions on some upcoming TV shows. What they didn't realize is that they'd be giving up their cell phones on our show, and we'd be watching every move behind a one-way mirror. If anyone breaks down and uses their phone, they won't get paid. Think they can resist the urge and play by the rules? And what about you? If you were in this room, how long could you go without checking your phone? Just think of all the emails, texts, and social media you'd be missing. But surely with money on the line, these folks will be able to demonstrate some degree of willpower and play by the rules, right? Wrong. After just five minutes, this guy couldn't resist taking a peek. Mm. After ten minutes, most of our volunteers followed instructions and didn't check their phones. But we're about to turn up the heat. Remember that form they filled out earlier? Included was a space to fill in their cell phone number. So now we can call and text them. See? I told you we were bad. It's very hard for me to sit still. So will these people give in to temptation now that their phones are literally calling out to them? The answer? A resounding yes. As soon as their phones started ringing, beeping, and buzzing, a whopping 80% of our volunteers couldn't resist the call, leaving just two people who were able to remain in their seats. Hello? In fact, once the floodgates opened, some of these rule breakers not only took our calls, I don't know who it is. They started making their own. Hello? <laughs> What's up? Okay, cool. Why would they be willing to forfeit their payment just to look at their phone? I had to go and check it at some point. It was kind of a compulsion. As soon as I gave it up, I wanted it back in my pocket because I have to be in constant contact. Sitting there, having nothing else to do, that's when I want to check it. If I was doing something important, I would be fine. I think. What's that? Was that my phone? <laughs> so what's behind this burning desire to constantly look at our smartphones? It turns out our brains have been trained over time to have an almost Pavlovian response to our phones. 
as our brains seek out dopamine rewards wherever they can find them. These days, if you check your smartphone, your brain gets rewarded each time for learning something new, whether it's hearing from your friends or checking the weather. And according to some research, your dopamine levels don't actually peak when you win a bet, get good news, or eat that sinful treat. But rather, they spike in the moment just before the payoff. Which may be why we reach for our phones so often. Each time, as we anticipate how many messages or social media likes we may get, our brain's pleasure sensor lights up. In other words, the pursuit of happiness isn't really about happiness. It's about the pursuit. And if you're worried about our participants forfeiting their money, don't be. We paid them all anyway. Yay! <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Because it seems like, oh, okay, I won't look at it, but they were going to forfeit their paycheck. They weren't going to get paid if they checked their phones. And yet, after five minutes, the temptation to see who was calling, and I'm sure that has never happened to any of you at all in this room, but I thought it was so interesting. And I thought that it seems like it should be easy, right? Like your rational side of your brain is going, I'm going to actually get money if I don't go pick up that phone. That seems like a logical, easy choice. And yet 80% of the people sitting around that table jumped up and answered their phones. Only two people were able to wait and resist. I thought that that's so interesting. 80% chose the instant gratification of their phones over the more rational gratification of a paycheck. And the thing I found interesting about this episode is they said that their brains are searching out dopamine rewards. So what that means is every time you reward yourself with that impulse, your brain releases really happy, nice chemicals and say, oh good, look at what you just got. Uh, so there is a reason that we have such a hard time not indulging in the things that we want to do in that immediate moment. Our brains scream out to us, you should totally do this right? I also learned in that episode, I didn't show this clip, but it said earlier on that resistance is a finite resource in our brains. To resist that, um, the area of our brains that asserts willpower is not near as strong as the part of your brain that gives out the dopamine rewards. So we are in a bit of a battle, right? No wonder it is hard to have self-control. Our brains say, yes, you should go ahead and do that thing. You should reward yourself. You should go ahead and have that. And yet, the other side of our brain is going, no, you should resist that. That might not be the best thing. And yet there's this battle going on. And so who does that remind us of? Paul, right? In Romans chapter 7, Paul did not see brain games, and yet he understood this concept. He said in Romans 7, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do wrong, but I do it anyway. Romans 7 talks about that tug of war in us, the little devil on one shoulder and the little angel on the other one that says, come on, you should just indulge yourself. You should just do that thing. And yet Paul says, who is going to save me from this tug of war? This is why we have to have the fruit of the Holy Spirit that is self-control because we, it's really hard to practice self-control on our own. So what in the world are we supposed to do? Why does the Bible tell us over and over again to practice self-control? You know, I think in our society, in this day and age, it can become really, really easy to just indulge ourselves. And I know in my life, it can be, I can begin kind of indulging myself in one area and not being disciplined, and pretty soon I'll see it start to trickle over into other areas of my life where I'm not practicing self-control. Whatever that might be, sometimes we just get used to 
facing temptation and just diving in and getting that quick reward. Temptation, give in, quick reward. Temptation, dive in, quick reward. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves in a big old mess because we have given in to temptation. So why is it so important to learn to be self-controlled? Number one, the reason why we should learn self-control is indulging makes you vulnerable. Indulging makes you vulnerable. I think the reason God tells us over and over again to practice self-control is that our bodies and our brains need to be told no right? Our brains are kind of like spoiled toddlers. Have you ever had a toddler that is just kicking and screaming and begging for something? Maybe it's at the checkout line, and so one time you just don't want to deal with it. I am not speaking from any personal experience. You don't want to deal with it, so you just, they were on a chocolate bar at the checkout, so you give them a chocolate bar at the checkout. What happens next time you go to the checkout with that toddler? They start screaming again. That worked really good last time. I think I'll try that again. Our brains are like spoiled toddlers who simply want what they want. And the more you give in to them, the more demanding they become. The more you give in to those impulses, the more it's hard to stand up the next time. And I want to share a Proverbs with you that that talks about this very thing. Proverbs 25, 28 says this. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Let me read that again. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Now, in Bible times, walls were what kept you safe. A wall around your city is what kept the bad guys out. It's what kept the good people in. Everybody had a wall. And if your enemy discovered that your wall was, had a weakness in it, You better watch out because they were for sure going to come and try and invade your city. And so the Bible says a person who doesn't have self-control is vulnerable. You have broken down walls. There are places where the enemy can come in and sneak in and tempt you in areas. If we get used to not restraining ourselves, if we get in the habit of just indulging ourselves, we are vulnerable. And when you are not practicing self-control, You are open to all kinds of temptation. And let me be clear, there's plenty of temptation to go around. None of us are immune from it. And when you get in the habit of not resisting temptation and just simply indulging whatever your body and mind tell you to do, you become vulnerable. And Jesus told us in Mark chapter 14, watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation because your spirit is willing but your flesh is weak. You want to do the right thing, and yet so often we find ourselves doing the wrong thing. So pray and ask God to help you not to fall into temptation. You might not think, it's not a big deal to indulge in a cell phone. That's not a big deal, right? So what? So I picked up my cell phone. Not a big deal. I didn't discipline myself with that. But number two, what I want to share with you today is this. It's the same muscle that you use for the little things that you use for the big things. We don't have some kind of differential in our brains that say, well, this is a really big thing. So I'm gonna, I'm, you know, I might not ever restrain myself later. When it comes to the big stuff, I'm sure that I would be able to practice self-control. You know what? That's not the way it works. It's the same muscle. The self-control that you use when you resist sharing gossip is the same self-control that you use when you're tempted to just fudge the numbers at work. It's the same muscle. 
The self-control you use when you put that item you really want to buy, but you really know you can't afford it and you really should just wait, it's the same muscle that you use when you really want to click on that website that you know is wrong. It's the same muscle. The self-control that you use when you put that fourth brownie back, I'm not speaking about myself, it's the same muscle you use when you choose not to respond to the Facebook message from that old boyfriend that just sent you a message and you think, that's a can of worms. I should not click on that. I should not respond to that. It's the same muscle. We don't have different muscles for big stuff. We don't have separate self-control for big stuff and little stuff. That's why it's important that we discipline ourselves in the little things. Because in the same way, when we practice self-control in the little things, we make that muscle stronger for in the moments where it is a big thing. If you have never restrained yourself, if you're in the habit of just indulging whatever comes into your heart and mind, when that moment comes, when it is a big thing, that muscle is going to be weak. But if you have learned to discipline yourself in the small things, you're going to have the strength to be disciplined in the big things. Watching that video was so interesting to me. And you know what was most interesting to me? The two women that didn't go pick up their phones. And you know what I thought? Now, first I thought, okay, I'm kind of a rule follower and, my, and people pleaser. And so I would be like, I just don't want to get in trouble. This is the rules. I'm not going to break the rules. But I know some of you are like that too. But more than that, you know, that's a lot of pressure. Everybody else is doing it. I think everybody's like, oh, it's probably not a big deal. You know, it's their fault. They left us in here. We, you know, what do they expect? And yet those two women, the more I thought about it, I bet those are women that have some self-control in other areas of their lives. I bet that they practice discipline in other things because they were able to resist what everybody else was doing and what they wanted to do in the immediate moment. There was something in them. There was the kind of strength in them. And I think that strength only comes through practice. And as the Lord really began to deal with this in my own life, this was the big thing that he began to show me. You have to practice this. You have to practice this. And um, when we daily practice the spiritual discipline of self-control, when we tell ourselves no, when we deny the little things that aren't a big deal, we're teaching our bodies and our brains that they are not the ones in charge, that our spirit, we are going to choose the right thing. It's a good discipline. 1 Corinthians 9.27 is one of my favorite verses. It says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Now, never, ever, ever in my life, not once, have I ever been called an athlete. Let's be very clear about that. But I have been learning a few things about, about discipline when it comes to exercise. See, I turned 40. And turning 40 apparently does some strange things to your metabolism. And so after years of just kind of like, ah, oh, it's not a big deal, I decided that I needed to join a gym. And so, again, let me reiterate, not an athlete at all. And so I joined uh, Orange Theory, which is a little gym that you go in, and the first half an hour you have to run on a treadmill. And they put a little bracelet on you, and it goes up on a big screen so everyone can see 
if you're doing well or not. So they, you're green if your heart rate is kind of down here. There's even gray and black if you're not really moving much at all. And then it's green. And then it goes to orange if you're kind of working hard. And then it's red. Like red is like you are going all out. And it shows what percentage your heart rate and everything is. And so I literally went there the first week. And I'm thinking, I don't, I'm just going to go at my own pace. Well, everybody's board is orange. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm feeling shame. <laughs> I'm going to have to run faster. And I thought it was going to die because I don't know that I've ever run in my entire life unless I was being chased by something or late for an airplane. But I, I'm not a runner. And so I'm sitting there. And yet I was so embarrassed that I was like, I guess I better run. And pretty soon, you know, my not only was my thing red, but it was like 102, 103, 104%. And I'm like, I think I'm going to die. But if I stop, everyone will see. And so it was so funny. That first day I thought, oh my goodness, I'm going to die. And then the second time I went back, it was just about as equally bad. But then the third time, I did not get to 103%. I stayed at like 99%. And I thought, well, look at that. It's getting a little easier. And then the next time I went back, it was a little easier. And the last time I went, I managed to not, you know, break 100. I was able to go more times. Now, that only comes because every time I worked those muscles, they got a little bit stronger. And it's the same way with us, training ourselves. Each time you practice self-control, that muscle gets stronger in you. Every time, it can be the smallest little tiny thing that nobody else is going to see at all. But when you do that, that muscle gets stronger. And then we are less vulnerable. It's like we're building up brick by brick, the wall to that city. Brick by brick, every time you practice self-control, you're rebuilding that wall. First uh, Corinthians 9, in an old version um, that I learned as a teenager, says, I beat my body and make it my slave. They don't have that version around much anymore because it's a little violent. And yet I remember hearing that as a teenager thinking, yeah, because I remember as a teenager being really, it was really hard to keep my body and mind and everything under control. And I kept thinking, I don't want to be a slave to whatever I'm feeling in that moment. And some of you today, you feel like you're a slave to your body. Maybe it's an addiction, and you keep thinking, I cannot seem to overcome this. Maybe it started out as like a really mild thing, and yet you thought, you know, I could quit doing this anytime. And then you tried, and you realized, I am a slave to this thing. I can't stop. This has a hold on me. Maybe it's your body. Maybe you feel like you are a slave to your mind. Maybe the amount of Anxious thoughts going through your mind every single day is absolutely tormenting you, and you cannot seem to get it to stop. And you are a slave to your mind. Maybe it is your temper, and you keep saying, I'm not going to yell at my kids. I'm not going to react that way. I'm not going to lash out. And every inch of willpower you've been trying to do is failing. And you feel like you are a slave to your temper, and you're starting to think, I'm never going to be able to overcome this. And yet there is hope in the fact that the Holy Spirit produces the fruit of self-control in us. And maybe it's your weight. I have known that feeling of thinking, oh, I'm never going to get over this. I'm never going to get past this. I feel like I am not in any control of my body. I can't seem to get into shape. I can't seem to do this. And sometimes it becomes an issue that it's so discouraging that you think, I'm not even going to try anymore. Because I feel like such a slave to this. 
I actually was talking to a friend a number of years ago that this was a really big struggle for her. And she said, it got to the point where I was so disappointed in myself. I would wake up every Monday morning determined that I was going to have a breakthrough in this area. And by 2 o'clock, I had already blown it, and I was so discouraged. And she said, and I went to God, and I asked him, help me learn how to overcome this thing. I am a slave to this. And had nothing to do with size. It had everything to do with a lack of feeling any sense of control over her own life. And she said, God was so gracious. He began to, he said something to me. All right, I want you to start, um, I want you to give up novels. Now, my friend, she's an author. She's an avid reader. She loves to read. And she thought, well, that is an odd thing to give up when I am worried, you know, when I'm just driving through McDonald's every day. So, but she said, I just thought, okay, Lord, if this is what you're asking me to do, I'm going to do that. So she began putting away her novels. She just disciplined herself in that one area. And she said, as I began to discipline myself in that area, because it was something that I was like, okay, I can do that. I can do that. So at night where she would normally sit down with a book and began to read her her novel, she goes, I just would set it aside and I would go do something else. And something began to happen in her heart because she was successful. And she went, you know what? I can do this. She said, as I, as I followed in obedience in this area, I watched chains begin to fall off in other areas because I thought, look, I can be disciplined. I can have self-control. I can do this. And she said, and God began to show me, see, I know. You don't have to be a slave to this. And she goes, God was training me, just like 1 Corinthians says, train yourself like an athlete. Don't be a slave to anything. So whatever that thing is in the back of your mind that you're thinking, yeah, I'm a slave to that. There is hope today. Ask God to help you grow the fruit of self-control. Begin to strengthen those muscles and watch God do something amazing. And the last thing I want to share today is just a couple little practical tips. Practice spiritual disciplines to strengthen your self-control. There are great ways to diligently and faithfully work out that muscle of self-control to grow stronger. Maybe it's simply just the discipline of reading God's word every single day. Maybe it's just something that's like, well, if I get to it, if I don't get to it, become disciplined in that area. Maybe that's something that you say, you know what? I can do that. I'm going to become very disciplined in that area. Maybe it just involves getting up 15 minutes earlier, which today sitting in church seems like that's awesome. But when the alarm's going off and you're so tired, that's the moment where you go, I have a choice right now. I can get up and go do the thing or I can just ignore it. That's when self-control comes into play. But maybe that's an area that you think, I can practice this spiritual discipline and begin to strengthen that muscle. Maybe it's memorizing scripture. This summer was so good for Jeff and I to memorize scripture because the discipline of it, and again, because we had issued the challenge, we felt like we better, we better be doing this. We better get our act together. But the discipline of that amazed me of how what I was actually capable of doing when I just decided to be self-controlled and disciplined about it. Another thing that the Bible talks about is fasting. Now, I don't know what your experience is with fasting, but fasting typically in the Bible was was giving up food for a certain amount of time to pray instead. Now, some people will fast for a whole day. Some people will fast for a meal. Um, I have done all kinds of different fasts. Um, Sometimes I have fasted social media. I've fasted computer and internet. Sometimes I fasted TV. Sometimes it's just a certain activity. There was a while that I fasted my People magazine. I don't know. There are just different things. And here is the reason why fasting is good. 
And every time Jeff and I do a fast, we always come back and go, it is so good to just tell your body no. It's just good. It's just a good discipline to let it know it is not the one in charge. And so whatever that might be, maybe this is something that you could go, okay, maybe I'm just going to lay down my phone in the evenings. Maybe you're going to, I have a friend who leaves her phone in the car when she comes home from work, and that's just her way of having some boundaries with it. I don't know what it might be for you, but again, these are just little practical things that you can do to begin to strengthen that muscle. Other spiritual disciplines are silence and solitude. When was the last time you went a little bit of time in silence? Some of you are like, oh, I wish I had a moment of silence. Uh, not in the Kerr house with four ladies. Jeff Kerr would probably love to take a vow of silence. Silence, solitude, getting away, spending time. Again, all of these things that are just practical disciplines are so good to you, for us. And here's another thing that I've learned now that, you know, I'm a gym girl. Here's the other thing that I've learned. You have to keep adding weight if you want to strengthen the muscle. All right? So maybe you're like, yep, no problem. I, I get up. I read my Bible every day. Okay, add a little more weight. What's another way that you can strengthen that muscle? Try something new. Maybe it is a fast. Maybe there's an issue in your home, and you need a breakthrough, and you need God to do a miracle. There are times in the Bible that God says, hey, if you're finding that you're not getting this breakthrough, it's time to fast. So maybe God is saying to you, I want you to discipline yourself and I want you to fast something to see a breakthrough in this area. Up your game. Maybe you already, maybe you already have uh, some disciplines in your life. Add to those. Strengthen those muscles. Add more weight to it. The truth is we're not living the fullness of what, who God wants us to be if we're not living self-controlled lives. You know, the things that derail our families, our relationships, and our churches they're not usually contemplated, planned out choices. They're impulsive indulgences. They're quick. And in a second, it's like a bomb goes off. And so we have to be faithful and diligent in being self-controlled. I want to read one more quote. Actually, I saw it this morning from a friend. If I can find it, it's right here. It's from Priscilla Shire's Bible study on the armor of God. And it says this. Our enemy celebrates lethargic Christian living. When we're giving up on relationships, disregarding the purity of our reputations, yielding to our appetites without putting much, if any, resistance, he can basically go unchecked, wreak havoc in the lives of God's people. Ultimately, he can hamstring the church from achieving the purposes of God. Our indolence and inertia work to his great advantage, practically rolling out the red carpet for his entrance into the unlocked doors of our indifference and despondency. He's hardly going to pass up an, an opening like that. 1 Peter 4, 7 says, Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we need your help so much when it comes to the area of self-control. Lord, maybe there are people here today that feel like there are really big chains on them when it comes to an area in their life, and they have tried to overcome it. They have tried willpower. They have tried just putting a date on the calendar and saying, this is the last time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get over that. And yet, 
over and over and over again, they find themselves falling. And Lord, today, you want to help them grow that muscle of self-control. Lord, and maybe it will be from a a way that they didn't even think about, but you're going to ask them to begin to exercise self-control in their lives. Lord, I pray that for all of us, you would show us the places where we are slaves. We have not been making wise choices. Maybe it's in the area of our finances. Maybe it's in the area of our minds. Maybe it is in our tongue and the way that we have not been self-controlled in our words. Lord, I ask that you would begin to show us those things and that you would then begin to teach us how to exercise the muscle of self-control. Lord, we recognize how quickly the enemy can use an indulgent moment to destroy families and lives and homes and careers. And we don't want to be unwise to his schemes. Lord, help us to be constantly, brick by brick, rebuilding the walls around our city so that we are not vulnerable and our families are not vulnerable to his schemes. We ask for your help, and we love you so much today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So, ladies, if you're going to join us on Tuesday morning, we're going to go through this whole study. It's actually 10 weeks. So it's a couple weeks of just background information. And then it goes topically. We're going to study eight different topics, including our minds, our tongues, our checkbooks, all of the different things we kind of touched on today. Um, We're going to talk about that. And then for those of you that have elementary-age kids, we are diving into the same study on Thursday nights. And so um, I'm really excited as I've been working on it for kids. You know, I think a lot of them want to do the right thing and yet find themselves not picking up their things when I tell them to. And so we're going to talk about this same topic. I think it's really, really important to teach our kids how to exercise self-control in so many areas of their life. So we would love to have you join us. I also brought some extra copies of the book for some of you that can't join us on Tuesday mornings. If you want to pick up a book today and just do it at home on your own, you can do that. It's for men or women. Uh, So those are available in the lobby too. So we love you all. Have an awesome week. And don't forget all the programming starts up this week. We'll see you next week.